You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 164 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, pretty late into the night here on the East Coast. And joining me, uh, because it's pretty late and because he's always on this podcast, or at least regularly on this podcast, Scott Coleman is here. Hey, man. Thanks uh, thanks for having me on. It was a a better week than, I guess, the last time we came on. The team went 5-2, and so that's always uh, encouraging and and, uh, some, some good stuff to talk about. So it should be fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, earlier in the week, it didn't feel like it was an awesome week. They split um, the four-game series early in the week, and then they came out and uh, beat up on the Marlins, as they are wont to do. You know, frankly, I think it was you and I even a couple of weeks ago mentioned that you got to beat up on the Marlins, and they did it. I mean, it wasn't always, you know, for instance, today it wasn't always pretty, but they, they got the win on this fine Sunday, and then the other two were pretty breezy victories at the end of the day. So um, coming out, just big picture-wise here, and taking care of your business like it's a team that you should bludgeon because the Marlins are, you know, the worst team in the National League. You, you yeah. got to beat them because everybody else is going to beat them. So you got you got to hold serve, and they, and they did that today. Yeah, you're right. And you know, now through two series, they're five and one against Miami, which, as we just said, they they have to take advantage of these. If the Braves want to win the division again or, or make the playoffs again, they have to take advantage of their 18 games or whatever it is this year against the Marlins. That their team is really bad. Um, and there's, there's really no excuse to, to really lose at all to, to Miami. Now it's baseball, weird things are going to happen. You're going to lose a couple games, but you know, I know it was, uh, what was it Saturday night when things were getting kind of ugly early on and the team made two or three errors and in one of the innings and, and to Mike Soroka's credit, he settled in and, and was able to kind of guide them through it. But, uh, and, and of course, uh, the team ended up winning, but you talk about the National League as a whole this year, and other than Miami, I guess the Giants are pretty bad. Uh, they're not terrible right now, but that looks like a team that's going to struggle as the year goes on. But really, besides those two teams, there's just not a lot of easy series in the National League this year. The Central, all those teams are competitive. Of course, the four teams in the East, even if even if the Mets and the Nationals are struggling a little bit, those are solid teams. They're going to get better. Um, and then the West has been pretty strong, again, outside of uh, outside of San Francisco. So it's important to win these games and, and the Braves did a good good job taking care of business. For sure. And then I mean, we'll talk about the, the schedule at the end of the pod, but uh, yeah, it's not going to get any easier. So they got to bank some wins along the way. You know, we should start at the beginning of the week and just talk about the San Diego series a little bit because after losing two out of three to Colorado over the weekend, you know, splitting with San Diego wasn't didn't feel great. You know, they went three and four on a seven game homestand. You kind of want to do better than that against two teams that you think you're better than, to be sure. In Colorado and San Diego, maybe they, maybe maybe you're not necessarily leaps and bounds better, but I think you know, ask 
Uh, anybody on the Braves, they'll tell you that they think they're better than those teams are. So going going uh, combined three and four isn't ideal. But you know, on the bright side against San Diego, um, the two guys who we probably should talk about on this podcast specifically, Mike Sorokin and Max Freed, took care of business. And they were awesome. Those two guys have been absolutely lights out to the point where Freed, I think, is like third in the National League in, in, in ERA for qualified pitchers. And Soroka, it's a much smaller sample size, but has been like Maddox-like in his ERA. Like it's like lo- it's like low ones right now. Not sustainable, obviously, but he's been absolutely incredible. And it's no, no surprise, at least to me, that the two wins that they, they were able to get against San Diego were the games pitched by Soroka and Freed. Yeah, those two guys, I mean, not just in for the Braves, but across the National League, I think they're two of the best stories out there. Uh, two guys who have had some injuries and have battled back over uh, not just this year, but in past years, everyone, we were so worried, you know, it was about this time two months ago uh, when Mike Soroka's shoulder was starting to give him problems and he was being shut down. And and it was a legitimate concern. It was similar to, uh, you know, last year when, when the Braves lost Luis Gahara in the spring and, and Freddie Freeman talked about how much of a loss that was. It kind of felt like a similar loss this spring when, when it sounded like, at least publicly, that Soroka might miss, you know, be out indefinitely. And of course, that that hasn't been the case. But He's been good. He's just, and I think with both those guys, they throw strikes. Uh, it's kind of a breath of fresh air, uh, considering how how other guys in the rotation and in the staff have have done early on. They throw strikes. They attack hitters. Uh, they go deep into games too, which is which is a nice change of pace. Um, but absolutely, those two guys have been fantastic. Soroka made uh, two great starts this week, um, and he, he's just. It's hard to. Uh, put into words just how impressive he's been as a as a 21 year old. You mentioned he is he he almost looks like Greg Maddox out there, and and you don't want to label every pitcher young pitcher who comes out and throws strikes and has good command to as another you know first ballot Hall of Famer like Maddox is. But um, you know it's it's just special to watch him throw and, and a real treat to see uh, him whenever he takes the mound every five days. Yeah, I'll take the under on Maddox, but that's not necessarily a knock on, <laughs> uh, on Mike Soroka. But no. uh, I mean it's it's interesting because. You know, coming into the year, we all knew what Soroka was capable of when he was healthy, but there were real concerns about the uh, health that he had not had you know, for a while. And freed someone who we've liked for a long time, but is not was not like proven as a starter. And now, you know, it's still a small, it's still a small sample size on both counts. But we're you know a month into the season, month you know five six weeks into the season now, and I think everyone would tell you they're most comfortable with, with those two guys on the mound. You know, Fulty, we'll see what Fulty looks like in the future. Because um, he was obviously the best pitcher on the team last year by leaps and bounds. But if you took a straw poll of Braves fans right now, I think everyone would be in unison that those two guys make you feel the best when they're on the mound. And you know, part of that's recency bias, but part of it's just that they've looked so, so, so good, honestly. It's just the best yeah. way to put that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think it was Buster Only on his podcast this past week was, was talking about the Braves. And I think it was after uh, Freed or Soroka, one of those two guys had their had the start. But, you know, he mentioned the Braves seem to kind of be figuring out their pitching staff as the season goes along. And I think ideally you have your pitching staff staff figured out as you're as you're breaking camp and ready to play 162. And we saw how it kind of burned burned the team earlier. But we've seen the bullpen has has calmed down a little bit. We we know how good uh, Freed and Soroka have been. I think Fulty, too, you're seeing I think he's just shaking off the rust. His stuff has been great so far. We have to remember that he basically didn't have a, a spring training uh, Kevin Gosman has always been up and down, and, and we've talked about him being more of a middle rotation guy, another guy who didn't really have much of a spring because of the shoulder ailment. So 
you know, if, if those four can be your a steady one through four and stay healthy and all that good stuff, especially as we mentioned, as as Fulte and Gosman shake off the rest a little bit more, I think I think you can at least see a path to have a pretty good starting rotation, especially if you're going to sprinkle in Tukey, who uh, was really good in relief on on Friday, which we'll talk about. Uh, you know, you hope guys like Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright can get it figured out and Gwinnett come up. Who knows, maybe Sean Newcomb will, will surprise us and start throwing strikes a little bit better than he was in his first couple starts. <laughs> I think I think we're at least seeing uh, it's better than what it was like that first week of the year where, you know, you were you were banging your head against the wall almost nightly uh, because of the starting pitcher performance. Yeah, I mean, Thursday, Fulte did not look good at all, frankly. And it's too early to worry about Fulte because he was so good last year. Um, he has looked very rusty, and he was not good in that game. And you know, Thursday was the one time this week that they, they just got killed. Um, you know, Shane Carl absolutely imploded as well to make it from bad to worse, essentially. And just, you know, it's almost kind of nice to get just beat up like that. Like, you almost lose by nine versus lose by two sometimes. You just make it easier to swallow. You just got hammered and go out, move on to the next day. But, um, yeah, I mean, even Julio Tehran, who our feelings are kind of known about Julio, he was good today. I mean, it's, it's the Marlins, but he pitched well. Um, especially you know, really by any standard, but he pitched very well by his standards. So that's someone who we've long said is, you know, as a fifth starter is not the worst thing in the world and they're going to keep using him until they can't anymore. There have been times where he's looked unpitchable, but you know, another, a positive start today means he's not going to go anywhere for a while again. So, uh, here we are on Julio. Uh, we'll, we'll get to, uh, I want to save some time to talk about Friday specifically because of the interesting dynamics in play with Jose Urini and all that stuff. But, um, finishing up the San Diego series, I think the, this kind of applies to the weekend as well. The, the offensive star for the week is Ozzy Albies for me. Everybody else had some nice days along the way, but, you know, Albies bombs on Monday. He had a pair of extra base hits on Wednesday. He had a huge day on Saturday with a grand slam and kind of break things open. Um, Ozzy has been very good, and I think we've talked about him a lot sort of as, as this, like, hot and cold entity. But now that he's, you know, just firmly the leadoff guy, um, it looks like he's settling in a little bit. He had a little bit of a downturn, but this is a, a very good week for him. And the yeah. offense in general has been awesome, which we can talk about. I mean, we can talk about now if you want to. Um, the offense all season long has been very good. It's like a top five offense in the entire league at this point in time. I think it's almost been underrated, maybe not by us, but in general, because, you know, aside from, you know, one glaring guy in center field that's been playing every day, most or almost every day, everybody else has been really good, like a 114 WRC plus or better for every single regular. Outside of yeah. outside outside of Arte and you know 114 is very very good, and to have every single one of those guys be better than that so far has been uh, pretty impressive. I want to highlight two guys uh, specifically in a minute that are old, but the guys just in hmm. general, like you know Ozzy, is kind of the one for me this week. And then of course you know Acuna turns in a four for four day before he leaves early on Saturday, and Freddie's Freddie, and et cetera et cetera. I mean I want, I want to get to McCann and specifically in a minute, but what have you seen from the offense because it's been so so good and consistently really good all season long so far. Yeah, you nailed it. I, I think I think Ozzy is really kind of settled in as as the leadoff guy and. You know, he's never going to be a, a person who goes out there and has a sky high on base percentage. That's just not his game. He He's a good hitter. He, he likes to swing the bat. Uh, had the huge grand slam on Saturday night to kind of pull the Braves out of uh, all night long. They've been struggling a little bit with runners in scoring position. So for him to, to blast one uh, over the wall for, uh, I think, to make it 5-1 at that point was huge. Uh, you know, as, as we talked all, all spring long, the Braves, it didn't really matter who was leading off for the team. They just needed somebody good to lead off. And you know, if it's not going to be Ronald Acuna, 
it, it shouldn't be then automatically enter in CR10. We've talked about this ad nauseum for however, however many months, years uh, on this podcast. Uh, I think the good news is, 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 as you mentioned, this lineup has basically been as good as anybody in baseball, especially if you start excluding things like how bad the pitchers have been. I think the Braves rank fourth in all of baseball and position player hitting. Um, and they're right up there with with the Dodgers and the Cubs and, and the Astros teams that at least around the league, everyone knows has really good lineups. Uh, the Braves have been right there with them. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch them swing the bats. Uh, it's helped kind of cover up some of the, the deficiencies with the pitching staff, too, which has been nice. And you hope that as as we just talked about, as as the pitching staff settles in a little bit and hopefully stabilizes itself, if the bats even come close to doing what they've done through the first five weeks or so of the season, I think the Braves are going to be in good shape over the summer. Yeah, but they can't possibly ask for more offensively than they've gotten so far, just within reason. I mean, individual guys, maybe you can potentially see some growth from, but as an overall offense, this is not on paper a top three offense in the majors. So if they get this kind of reduction all season long, that'd be pretty darn good. You can't really ask for much more than that. Um, part of the uptick that we've seen, I sort of teased it a second ago, was the pair of very old guys have been really good so far. Marcakis has been more important because he's playing basically every day, and he's been awesome to this point. You know, we've had we've been pretty critical of Marcakis at times, no question about it. But um, you know, and I'm not sure it's all that sustainable based on you know. I think he has like a career high Babbitt working right now at like 350, 360, something like that. But you know, he's been really, really good all season long so far. And Brian McCann, on a lesser note, you know, he got banged up a little bit, and he's more been a platoon catcher. But McCann has been a pleasant surprise. At the plate, so getting getting that kind of production out of two guys who are 35 plus um, may not continue all season long, but you know, combine that with Flowers, who's been awesome again, um, and you have this like weird triumvirate of guys who you don't expect the moon from, but they were always supposed to be solid, and they've been better than that. And uh, anytime you get better than that from those three guys, it's a kind of a bonus. Yeah, you're right, and I think with with Nick. Uh, he's basically been the same guy through, you know, 30, 35 games, wherever we're at right now. He's basically been the same guy as he was last year to this point. You know, yep. he's, he's hitting for uh, a little less power, but still hitting with more power than I think what people expected, at least at this point last year, he's getting on base. He has more walks than strikeouts walking by 14 and a half percent of the time. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, uh, no, he, had, him he, getting had, on he, base. Two, he had two more today. So he's at like, I think he's at 22 walks, 16 strikeouts. Which yeah. is uh, yeah, you're right. Staggering, honestly. I mean, walking 50 percent of the time. I mean, the, the power is what it is, and it's never going to be huge like he did Homer today. But if you if you have a 430 on base percentage, nobody cares about your power. No, yeah, absolutely. And you talk about getting on base too out of the out of the fifth spot. Dansby's hitting well. You mentioned the catchers are hitting really well. So it, it, he's been great. I hope. And you know, this time last year we were all blown away, and we said, well, how long is it going to last for for Nick? And then we all saw the second half that he had. I hope that they kind of learn their lesson last year and they give him some time off. He's, I think, only, I think he's only not started once this year. Um, I hope they continue to work Matt Joyce out there, who's been really good. You talk about unsung heroes in the lineup. He seems to, anytime you you call on Matt Joyce, he's done a nice job. Uh, Charlie Culberson's been nice in a in a backup duty. So um, I hope that Nick can keep this up and at least. Uh, stabilize himself a little bit more in the second half than than when he really. Uh, and I, it's not just Nick. Everyone was worn out by September last year. You could see this team when you when basically you have five or six guys who have played every single day, nine innings in in a Georgia summer. You're going to wear down. 
I hope they, they kind of learn from that. And, and then, as you mentioned with the catchers, it's kind of amazing how every year the Braves have good catching, regardless <laughs> of who it is. Um, someone was talking about that this year and, and every single year since like the late 90s, the Braves have figured out a way to have really good catching. So it's it's pretty fun to watch. And, and uh, you know, both McCann and Flowers, whoever's been back there each night, it's been basically a 50-50 split whenever uh, they're both healthy. They've both been really good and, and have done a lot of good things for the team. Yeah, I think it was Ben was tweeting out some of those stats on, on Twitter. And it was like, yeah, it's, it's kind of jarring because, you know, at various times they've had they've had guys who were supposed to be good, but it isn't always that. I mean, Tyler Flowers is really good at baseball. He's per, he's perennially underrated. Uh, even if you don't love the framing stats um, and take some those with, with sort of a grain of salt, even if you remove all that, he's been quite good. And if you believe in that, he's been like uber elite. <laughs> That's kind of uh, kind of the difference there on on Tyler Flowers. But you know, McCain hasn't hit like this in a long time, and it may not continue, but. In this supporting role, he seems to be pretty happy to be home and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, you know, all the veterans, it's not just these guys. You know, obviously, you get a lot of production from Acuna and Freeman, which is supposed to happen. Dansby's been better than expected. Donaldson's been just fine. You know, there's been some bizarre – I don't want to get too deep into this, but there, there was some bizarre backlash to Donaldson over the weekend. I don't, I like, don't get that. What are we doing bit. here? Like, he's yeah. like a 135 WRC plus. He's been, all, like, he's been really good. I mean, he's sitting out sometimes, and he had the little injury thing. And when he missed a few days, I, I get all that. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to go down this road, frankly, just because it's kind yeah, of annoying I can't to me. Figure, I saw that, too. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. What more? The guy plays great defense. And, yeah, but when we signed him, we knew that he wasn't going to play 162 games. He was going to play, hopefully, if, if his health cooperates, you know, 140 or so. And he's been really good whenever he's out there. So, yeah, yeah I, no, was, no I was worries. perplexed by that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no worries at all about Donaldson. But, anyway, I mean, the only guy who hasn't been great is Sentiarte. We talked about him every, on every podcast. I don't want to do that again today. But he's the only guy that isn't playing great. Other than that, it's Camargo. And Camargo, the sample size is so small that I'm not really worried. Um, he is struggling on one side of the plate, which is kind of concerning. Um, but other than that, man, the, I, I want to kind of be positive about the offense today just because it's been so good and it helps uh, quite a bit setting the stage for the pitching has been what it is. But uh, an uptick this week from the young guys, which is nice to see. Um Okay, let's talk about Friday now because Friday was the uh, the newsworthy day of the week because of the yeah. uh, Kevin Gosman ejection. Um, you know, for history's sake, we should remind everyone that Jose Reno was not a fan favorite in Atlanta for hitting Ronald Cunha last year and all that fun stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't really have a strong take on this one way or the other. Um, there was a really sort of you know, screaming match kind of split between people that don't think that anyone that anyone should be hit with the pitch intentionally. Um, versus the old school, you got to hit a guy. You have to hit a guy intentionally. Uh, contingent. It's been a lot of hate back and forth in this in this argument. I will say uh, my one comment on this, and I want to open it up for you, is that it was very obvious to me um, that they were trying to do this. You know, there was some surprise that Gosman was ejected. That should not have been a surprise. They they clearly, in my opinion, premeditated this by calling up Tuki and having him ready to pitch extended innings. That was not a coincidence, in my opinion. <laughs> um, that's just my opinion, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, it did not seem to be yeah. a coincidence. And then, you know, you can't, you got to know. I know there wasn't a explicit warning before the game and all that stuff, so there was a little bit of surprise about him being ejected. You got to know that the one guy you cannot throw at, and that's in, in that spot, and not be ejected is is Arena, and they did it right away. So, you know, I have no problem with him being thrown at. Um, no, no huge problem. You know, I, I definitely would have been upset if they had gone for the head or trying to injure the guy. That's where I kind of draw the line. I, I get the old school part where you throw at a guy and sort of you know hit him in the middle of the back and move on. Um, but 
I don't love it. I will say that. Like, I, I'm not the hugest, um, you know, old school type where, you know, I think for me, all things equal, I would never want a guy to get thrown at. I just think it's, there's, it's a little bit too dangerous for me. But I, I do understand the the whole thing of, like, if you're safe about it to a certain extent, hit him in the middle of the back, it's, it's kind of okay. So, you know, no huge hot take either way. But I do I did want to just get that out there that I think it was definitely premeditated. And I think he should have been ejected. And I think the Braves knew he was going to be ejected. That's kind of all I would say about that. Yeah, I mean, they they called up Tukey for one day, knowing exactly what they were going to do. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? It's fine if if that's last year. That was a chicken shit move by by it Urania and the Marlins. Yep. If you're going to throw behind, I agree completely. Don't throw at the guy's head. You know, don't don't seriously injure him. Um, I, I would be fascinating to know if Gosman was actually trying to hit him or if he just missed him. Yeah, uh, I, would, which, I would like to know that too. I mean, obviously, you'll never gonna get full candor on this kind of thing because you're not going to, yes. you know, he's not going to admit that he's trying to hit him. But, you know, I'm okay. I, I mean, if I, I can't imagine, I don't know. For me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to throw behind him because, like, what is that going to do? Like, if, if it, it, it gets you ejected and you, and you don't hit him, like, it's like, oh, yeah. that's kind of weird. Um, see, I, I, I would imagine he just missed him. That, that'd be my guess. Yeah. Um, but me too. I just felt weird about like the whole. It got really nasty on Twitter. Like people that I follow, I didn't. I didn't really engage with it. There was people on both sides that were really going at it with each other. I'm like, guys, just relax. I mean, it's not. You know, I get the dichotomy of the old school versus the you know the nonviolent thing. I, I totally get it on all on kind of on all counts. And I don't really have a firm take, but I, I just thought it was pretty funny that there was this segment of Braves fans that were acting like it was an accident or that they, like, that he shouldn't have been ejected. I'm like, guys, you got to be real about this and. Yeah, you can't. It just does not feel like it was a coincidence. Is it possible that it was an accident? I, I suppose, but it does not. You can't give them, the benefit of the doubt goes out the window in that spot when it's a, when it's mm-hmm. a read at the plate. If it had been anybody else at the plate, sure. But it's yeah, not, sure. It, was, it, it was his first plate appearance. Gosman was not pitching well. That was the worst part about it. it was not a great time to do it because I think they had just gave up a run. There was a man on base. Like it was kind of a bad time, and they did it anyway. So yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, I wanted to <laughs> yeah, at least no, cover it's, that. It's over with. Yeah, it's you know it's over with. The Marlins did their thing. The Braves did their thing. Good job for Tukey for coming into what, you know, I'm sure he was ramped up. That's and, twice now. He's been lights out in that long relief. Yeah. Role. Yeah. He came in. Well, he came in and then threw three more balls at Urania uh, or th- threw three balls to him. Wasn't trying to hit him uh, and loaded the base. And it was like, oh, geez, here we go. Um, and then he got out of it and got out of the, out of the jam and then was really good. I think he ended up throwing, what, five or six innings again, kind of like the Mets game. Uh, a few weeks back, he, he saved the day. So Tukey's been really good uh, in that role. I know we we um, have here in our notes to talk about Tukey and, and now Newcomb, who's up for Tukey as potential bullpen options. Maybe this is our little our little segue there. Yeah, we got we got we got, uh, we got a ton of questions about that, and I I, yeah. I understand why because those guys, you know, Newcomb came up for Tukey, and Tukey was in that in that weird role, and they're both power arms. So I, they're the, I guess they've kind of they sort of long been the obvious types, but that's probably the question that we got the most this week was. Are these guys going to be in the bullpen now? And it's like, well, I have no problem with it. I think we mentioned this maybe last week or the week before that, that I would fully be on board with Newcomb in the bullpen. Um, I'm not sure they're going to do that, but, you know, he's up right now and not in the rotation, so maybe they're going to do it. Yeah, and at this point, why not? I mean, clearly there's been some guys who have struggled in the bullpen, uh, and, and while they are getting a little bit of better production at guys like Jacob Webb, uh, Jerry Blevins has been pretty decent since coming over. Grant Dayton made his debut this past week. And shouts to uh, Luke Jackson once again. And 
Yes, bullpen savior Luke Jackson, uh, which a month ago we both probably would have laughed at. If, what a if we very weird the, sentence. Yeah, the phrase. True. Yes, high leverage uh, reliever. Uh, by the way, the, the two high leverage guys of Luke Jackson and Josh Tomlin right now, they're like coming in routinely in the eighth and ninth innings. It's like, what are we doing? But it's kind yeah. of working. I mean, Tomlin got beat up today on Sunday and, and let, let the Marlins tie the game. But, um, you know, obviously yeah, Minter, Minter's still there too. But the, just the, the odds of... Uh, Tomlin and Jackson serving as high leverage guys, like on purpose, were not yeah. high coming into the year. No, no. I think, you know, I think with Newcomb, the argument against him going to the bullpen since forever has been he doesn't throw consistent strikes, and you worry that he's going to come in not sharp and he's going to throw eight balls in a row, and all of a sudden you've got two guys on and nobody out, and you're pulling Newcomb because you can't throw a strike. Well, you know, surprise, that's that's more or less what the bullpen did the first three or four weeks of the season. So it's, what's the difference? At this point, I think we know who Sean Newcomb is. It's too early in his career to give up on him. Uh, he He's, what, 25, 26? It's not like he's uh, in his early 30s here and you're, you can just cut bait with him. He, you have to stick with him for at least a little bit longer. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe a bullpen role of sorts would work for him. Maybe it's a long guy. Maybe... Uh, maybe if he's a, a one inning guy, because we've all talked about how his velocity has dipped over the last couple of years. Maybe if he knows he's only going to throw 20 pitches or so, he can get his fastball up to the mid upper 90s. Uh, we talked about his hit ability this year, and that's really been a problem. He hasn't been able to put guys away. Maybe he's trying to save himself a little bit. And if he doesn't have to worry about conserving his, his energy for 90 pitches, then he can let loose and, and be a little more dominant than he is in a starting role. Who knows? I think it's worth a shot at this point. I don't really see a spot for him in the starting rotation with everybody healthy. And I think even if I needed a spot starter, I would take someone like like Tukey or Bryce Wilson before I, I would give the ball to Newcomb. So it's worth a shot. We'll see if they actually use him. I wonder if he's in there more of just as a security. If, if somebody would get hurt, then you know he could throw 75 pitches without too much trouble. Um, but the Dodgers, who, who the Braves are going to see this week, uh, are much better against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. So who knows? Maybe the, the Braves will use Newcomb in a, in a relief role this week, uh, try to give the other guys a little bit of rest, and, and hopefully play to uh, his strengths against the Dodgers lineup that's much better uh, batting uh, against righties. Yeah, that was famously the reason why they used him in the uh, playoffs last yeah. year as a starter was that yep. he was left-handed and uh, made sense in some ways, and uh, that was why it happened. We'll see if Newcomb gets a, gets a shot at them. This week, um, last thing on just what happened this week, uh, we should talk about the game today and the end, the uh, the tenth inning kind of weirdness. Were you watching today? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I uh, I candidly missed this in real time and had to go back and check out what, what happened because I was uh, I'm in transit. In fact, if we're not normal sound quality, it's because I'm I'm in a hotel room right now recording on the road for uh, for work. So apologies on that. But um, Max Freed uh, being sent. Hilarious about Ron Washington, who does not know how to Ugh. put up a stop sign. Um, Freed, A, pinch running. B, uh, he's really fast. C, Ron Washington <laughs> sending him uh, into a sure out, like a terrible execution by the Marlins, because um, he should have been out by a lot. And then Freed sliding and using his pitching arm. Uh, all that all that stuff was, uh, it didn't end up biting the Braves, which is really nice. And, of course, that was ended up being the winning run. But, uh Man, that was weird and uh, fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> things did not go wrong. That's pretty high up there for like most bizarre extra inning things we've seen in like the last so decade. Weird. So you know he comes out and I go, okay, you know he's he's maybe your best pitcher. I'm not sure that's who you want to be pinch running. And I know they had a short bench and and all that stuff. So it's not like they're doing this regularly. But I think I tweeted 
about 20 seconds before he had to sprint around the bases. You know, I'm really not sure this is the guy you want because if he gets hurt, you're, you know, how do you defend it? And then, of course, Ender puts the ball down the left field line. And uh, Freed is apparently one hell of an athlete because he has, he was flying. I mean, if his sprint uh, sure speed, I, I read listening. it somewhere. I was like 29 miles per hour, which is like borderline elite. Like it's, he, he's yeah. like, I didn't, I didn't, I knew he was an athlete like you did. I wasn't sure he was as fast as he apparently was today. Um, yeah. But he was moving. Yeah. And then, you know, to top it all off, you know, Ron Washington, who I don't, I don't think in his three years with the Braves has ever put up a stop sign, which is, which is great. I mean, watch is fantastic, but I mean, I think everybody in unison kind of held their breath once when they saw Wash sending him, especially with nobody out. Uh, what are we doing? Situation. Why? Why is this happening? Um, and then to top it all off with Freed sliding headfirst with his left hand uh, right into a catcher who should have caught the ball and probably tagged him out. Yeah. I mean, it it could have been, thank God it it was fine. Right. Braves won. Freed scored. He was fine. He was high five and everybody he's good. Um, but it it could have been a whole lot worse than it was. and, And they dodged a bullet, but, uh, yeah, one of the more amusing and entertaining things I think we've seen in in a long time. Yeah. I mean, Thank God it didn't go poorly. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. But it, it was funny, <laughs> no and, they get, and they get the win. You know, it got a little dicey when Tomlin gave up the tying run, and you know, I felt like it was it might end uh, on a sour note. But then uh, that didn't last very long. Tenth inning, score and take care of business yeah. and get out of there. So good win, and uh, that was just more entertaining than anything else. Uh, all right, we can move on. Uh, not too much more to get to, but before we get to that, I want to take a moment to tell everybody to subscribe to this podcast. It'd be huge if you did that. And we'll go to a quick break, and we'll come back to finish things up with Scott Coleman. All right, Scott, we're back. And uh, let's talk about some weird off-the-radar stuff for a brief moment before we end and talk about the schedule. Um, new Baseball America Top 100. We're not doing a ton of minor league stuff on the pod because Road to Atlanta is cooking on the same feed. So if you like to listen to minor league stuff focused, uh, great guest this week as well for Eric and the boys. So please go back and listen to that. Same feed as this one, so please subscribe. But I thought we, I might throw it out to you because Austin Riley has been getting a lot of attention because he's been incredible for like two weeks now. Um, yeah. But the BA Top 100 came out uh, courtesy of uh, our friends over there, including the great Carlos Colazzo, legend. Um, Shout out to Carlos. Not too much in the way of surprise here, but Austin Riley is, is seen by Baseball America as the best Braves prospect, which is noteworthy considering Mike Soroka is still a prospect according to Baseball America, um, which is crazy. But um, Austin Riley, top 20 guy, number 18 on that list. Um Anything else you wanted to say about that list is go ahead, but I, I, I thought we should talk about Riley just for a brief moment because he's getting a ton of attention because he's just bombing every single day, essentially, yeah. right now. Um, I have no issue. I'll just set, set this up, up, up a little bit. There's a lot of Braves fans who are like, he's got to be up right now. I'm like, well, where is he going to play? I, I don't think he's ready to be up right now only because I don't know where you play him. Like, I guess they he's not played enough left field for me to just be like, yep, got to do it right now for sure every single day. And unless you're going to play him every day, I'm always of the mind that you don't have the guy come up. That's just me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, that's where I am on it. Well, and I think I would prefer Riley plays every single day in Gwinnett than play once every three days with the Braves. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, I mean it's just because, I mean, what are you going to do as far as a roster spot? It's pretty clear they want to have the eight relievers. You, what are you doing? Barring injury, you're not bumping Camargo, you're not bumping Culberson or Joyce. Or, or the catcher. So what you know? What are you going to do? Your hands are kind of tied. You only have so many roster spots. So um, I for sure now sure. If, I guess it's good insurance if if Donaldson needs a week or two, which would be a bad thing. But if Donaldson needs a week or two to get better, sure you you call up Riley. You give him a chance. Uh, if one of the outfielders goes down, which 
uh, it could be really bad. Uh, you, I guess you do have a little bit of insurance there, but you know, Riley's doing great. This was a big year. You and I both talked about it before the season, how important of a year this felt like for, for Riley's development, not necessarily a make or break because he was some, you know, guy in his mid to late twenties, but it was an important year for his development. He was up and down a little bit last year and he started out a little bit slow in Gwinnett this season. And, and then over the last 10 days or so he, he's been on fire. So it's good to see uh, it's good to see him really going strong right now, just crushing the ball. I mean, go back and if you didn't see his home runs this week, yeah, I mean, the I, video. I think when that, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he he cleared he left the stadium in one of them. I mean, cleared the stadium, bounced it off the bricks, which I think are like condos in left field or something like that. Um, just crushed the ball. So he's been great. I think it's fun. Somebody pointed this out, and I'm trying to remember who it was, but if you think about the Braves organization right now, you have. Uh, at first base, you have Freddie Freeman, so you're good there. Second base, you have a former top 100 prospect, young star in Ozzie Albies. Shortstop, you have a former top 100 prospect, number one pick, uh, guy playing really well right now, Dansby. You have Donaldson at third on a one-year deal, who's really good. And you have a top 20 prospect in Austin Riley, who could probably come up tomorrow and hold his own in the majors. Yep. The Braves aren't at that point right now, but who knows when that'll be. Left field, you have Ronald Acuna. Center field, you have Ender, who is a capable big leaguer. And you have uh, Kristen Pache in the minors, who a top hundred prospect. Uh, Baseball America is probably the lowest on him of anybody at seventy three. Yeah, that, that struck me as kind of low. Is, yeah, and and not that seventy three is bad by any means, but like I think Keith Law has him in the top thirty. I think Pipeline has him around forty five or fifty. It's basically can he hit or not? It's basically the entire yeah. evaluation because everyone agrees about his defense and everything else that he can do. It's like, but just it's just is he going to hit? And yeah. he's been hitting, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah. But you have him in center field, top, another top 100 guy. And then you have Drew Waters, who's hitting even better uh, for right field, potentially. I think he could probably play any of the outfield spots uh, as a future right field, left field, center field, if you really needed him. So you just talk about the position player side of, of uh, the organization. Then you have William Contreras behind the plate, uh, who was not in uh, BA's top 100, I don't believe, though he is on other top 100 lists elsewhere. Um, it's a good, you know, Braves are in a really good place. The, the, the team is hitting now, and you have those reinforcements along the way. So someone pointed that out. I apologize for not knowing who it was. Someone sh- someone shouted at me if, if you know who it is. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fantastic to see and, and to have these guys not only in the top 100, but also in double and triple A. It's not a situation where they're going to be three or four years away. They're, they're going to be knocking on the door within the next, oh, I don't know, 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – going back to Riley real quick before we move on. It was, it was funny because – People not that they were bailing on Austin Riley, but he was really, really kind of bad for the first like three or four weeks. I think he had, I'm looking it up now because I tweeted about it earlier. A 54 WRC plus in the first 17 games in Gwinnett, and there was just no buzz about Riley. And it was like, oh, okay, maybe he's not ready yet. And then he just goes absolutely nuts. And now it's like, oh, he's got to be in the majors tomorrow. It's like, well, no, you know, first of all, two weeks ago, no one was saying that. And now it's like, yeah, he, I mean, he's been incredible during this run, including as, as we talked about earlier, the videos that we were talking about, but, um, yeah, it's it's a good problem to have, and you know, Donald's, it Does it make the likelihood of a Donaldson extension um, go down? I will say probably yes. Um, but other than that, you know, you're in good shape, and I think it's very safe to say um, Austin Riley is not is not going to be better than Josh Donaldson right now. So as long as Donaldson is healthy, he's got to play, and he's going to be very good. He already has been very good, and then if Riley just makes you bring him up because he's just murdering everyone in Gwinnett, then great. And maybe you find him. Yeah. I mean, I would be for me if I'm in, if I'm in Gwinnett right now. 
if I'm Alex Anthopoulos or whoever, I'm making a call to Gwinnett and say, play him in left field for a while. And just because, you know, I understand there's some development he has to do at third base, but I'd be wanting him to play the outfield more in AAA just in case. Because, you know, you have, you have Camargo. I, I get that too. So maybe maybe if Donaldson got hurt or whatever, you just play Camargo at third or whatever it is. Or you just play, uh, you know, if you, get, if you get an outfielder hurt, maybe your first move is to go to Riley, um, you know, it's just, you, you can get creative. It's basically all I want to say. Camargo adds that flexibility element because he can play some outfield. And, um, but that also puts a guy ahead of Riley in the pecking order. So like, if you have like a, like a four day injury, like, like, we, like we just saw for Donaldson, it's going to be Camargo at third base. Like there's no, there's no urgency yeah. to go to Riley because Camargo is a big league third baseman, obviously. So, all that to say, he's been awesome. It's not a bad thing at all, but I think we got to slow down with like the calls that he has to be up tomorrow. I would not be saying that because there's, you know, where's he going to go? And for me, yeah. I always end on the side of play every day wherever you are, and that's not going to be in Atlanta right now. Yeah, no, you're. And there's never, there's no such thing as too many good players, right? We've said no. that for years and years. You look at the Dodgers, what they've had the the last years, and we always mention the Dodgers because they're kind of the the pinnacle of roster development right now. What they've done the last few years, so. It's it's not a bad thing to have Austin Riley mashing in Gwinnett. He's going to get his chance. He's 22 years old. Even if it feels like he's been around forever, you have to remember he was like 17 or 18 when they drafted him. Yep. Um, he, he will have his time. I promise Braves are going to have him for at a minimum of six years. Hopefully everything works out and, and he's the, uh, the the building another building block at third. But you know these things these things work themselves out. And Josh Donaldson, when he's in the lineup, has been really good. You hope he stays healthy because he makes the Braves a lot better. If something happens to him or somebody else, you have some flexibility with Riley. Um, but again, these are, these are good problems to have. This isn't, oh God, who's going to hit cleanup tonight because nobody can do it. This is, <laughs> we have too many good hitters that are young and we want to play them every day so they they can't come up to the big leagues right now. That's if that's a problem you have with your with your lineup and your position players, then you know you're you're in pretty good shape for sure. And uh, he's 22 years old. And he just turned 22 in April, so he's very young still. No worries and uh, all positive things. About Austin Riley. Okay. Um, last thing. Well, that's two more things. Um, I wanted to plug something that was on, that was on TalkingChop.com. Something that, you know, we don't always do that a ton on this podcast. But um, Twitterless Ivan. So shouts to Ivan. Oh, I know I listen to the podcast. Um, one of the best writers that no one um, talks to a lot because he's not on Twitter. But uh, he's always in the comments. And Ivan does a great job and edits and does all kind of stuff for us. So shouts to Ivan. He wrote like a uh, an April recap of everything that transpired. And Ivan, you know, always gets really deep and is really very, very good. I learn a lot from Ivan every time he writes. But uh, I thought that was worth plugging. So if you missed that as sort of a recap for the month of April, um, we won't do a ton on that right now unless you want to. But I thought that was a really good deep dive into what transpired the first you know five weeks of the season and a good place to sort of catch up if you were otherwise uh, focused during April because it wasn't always fun for the Braves, but he sort of t- tackles the highlights, the lowlights, and all that stuff. So I wanted to plug that because um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, Ivan's great. He does fantastic work, and and anytime he, anytime you see his name on something on the site, and that's just going to be all the writers. I mean, it's you know across the site, you know, talking chop, and I'm I'm obviously a little biased here, but it's you know it's as good as it gets. Not just for baseball blogs, but like blogs in general, man. Like I'm a Colts fan, I would kill for a talking chop level Colts blog to read and and with analysis and and breakdowns and game day coverage. Like that's just not that's just not present for every team and, and i don't want to speak or badmouth other teams but you know I'll, I'll go and look around at other blogs for whenever the braves are playing a team and kind of see what they have what what content they have in it 
it's nothing compared to what uh, what talking shop cranks on on a daily basis. And that's a testament to Chris and Eric and and Ivan and, and you and and everybody on the team. So not to go you know too much of the you know pat everybody on the back, but um, he does great work and it's worth a read if if you didn't get a chance to read it earlier in the week. Yeah, that was a good one and uh, one of the you know it wasn't. It's not the, it's not to, sh- to uh, shout out that over everything else, but uh, I enjoyed that one. Wanted to pass it along. Uh, last thing on the pod is let's look ahead a little bit because I know you tweeted about this today or yesterday, but um, the schedule for the next couple of weeks is kind of rough for the Braves. So we'll, we're going to learn a lot, I think. Um, you know, on the bright side, the team's been pretty pretty solid recently. Um, at the same time. It might get a little bit dicey the next four series. You know they're at they're at the Dodgers, they're at the Diamondbacks in a game in games that you'll be at, um, and then home against the Cardinals and Brewers. So nothing that's impossible. They're not playing, you know, the prime Astros or anything like that. But four straight series against quality opponents, and um, we're going to learn some because you know the Braves are in fine shape. They're back into the projections like their mid 80s or so, and the division stuff. They're only a game and a half out. They're they're in fine shape, but the schedule is going to tell us a lot over the next you know two weeks or so. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be tough. I mean, you and you would hope that playing the I mean, the Braves for the last God, however many years have never played well at Dodger Stadium. It seems like never. even winning one out of three or four is is a win. Um, and if it wasn't hard enough with their lineup and and everything there. Uh, they're going to see Walker Bueller, they're going to see Ryu, and they're going to see Kershaw in the three games. So as as good of three pitches <laughs> as there are in the National League, I think unless he did in his last start, um, Eric Steven of True Blue LA tweeted that Ryu hasn't walked a batter in a home game in like 110 innings. That is the <laughs> most insane stat. Hold, hold I, I, on, I'm I need looking to go look it up. up but it's something like... Maybe, maybe at, I don't know, 90 innings, 100 innings, 80 innings, something like that. Something absurd that I read it and I thought, there is no way that is true. But he hasn't walked a batter in an absurd amount of innings at home. Well, yeah, he, um, doesn't, he doesn't have a walk. This, well, let's just do this live in the podcast. He has no walks at home this year um, in you know like four or five starts, which is already impressive. Then you go into last year. Uh, he only had one home start in the playoffs. It was it was, it was against the Braves. He was awesome and didn't walk anybody in that start. Uh, his last home walk was on August 26th of last year. <laughs> uh, he's so he's made one, two, three, four. He's made at least nine starts since then without a walk. Without a walk, not a single walk. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean. Last year he was really good. This year he's been really good. I'm trying to look at his overall numbers for the year in seven appearances. He has 39 strikeouts and two walks this season. Yeah, he's like he's legitimately one of like the ten best pitchers in baseball when he's healthy. And no one, knows but about he, he just but always yeah. hurt. But yeah, like when he started game one of the playoffs last year, I was like, oh, Ryu, that's the best they got. Why isn't Kershaw starting? Like he's ridiculously good when he's healthy. He's just he has groin problems and and other. Uh, other issues, but when he's healthy and and when at home, he's like unhittable. Yeah, and Kershaw's back to being Kershaw like. He's not like old old school Kershaw, but he's been very good this year. Four starts, he got he got kind of a late start um, to the season, but he's been very good as well. And then Bueller hasn't been awesome, but he's super talented. I mean, Max yeah. Fried and Walker Bueller on Monday night is pretty awesome. I mean, I, I'm pour, go ahead and pour the coffee because it's three straight 10, 10 o'clock starts on the East Coast during the week. Um, so I think for uh, for us it'll be a lot of me and you, Scott, because that's what happens when they're late games. Yeah, late night. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe Demetrius as well. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know a lot of Braves fans won't see them 
at least all week. But uh, you know, on the road against the Dodgers is about as tough as you can get in the National League. So we'll see how that how that fares. Yeah, and you know the Diamondbacks are really good. They blew one today. They blew like a five run lead against Colorado, but their lineup has been incredible. I mean. Now, they're going to regress some. Like Christian Walker, who was the Braves spring training hero from like three years ago, has a – He was mashing. One, <laughs> like 160 WRC+. Plus. I mean, they, they've kept hitting. I mean, they came into Atlanta and whooped the Braves, and ever since they've just kept going. So at some point, they're going to come back down to earth. Hopefully, it's it's next weekend. Um, and then you, you go back home and face the Cardinals, who are good, and the Brewers, who, especially with Christian Yelich healthy – you know, it's just a freaky good lineup and, and a team where you have to score six, seven, eight runs a night because while their pitching isn't great, uh, if you get behind to them with their bullpen, you, you're probably not going to come back. So the next two weeks, I mean, we'll see where the team is at this time in two weeks from now, but that's as tough of a four-game stretch as you're going to have, especially with no with no days off in between. Yeah, so uh, buckle up. You know, the Braves are, in again, well, just sort of in wrap-up here. They're 18-16. and 16. That's perfectly fine. I mean, after the slow start, they're, they're 15-16. and 16. That didn't feel as great as 18-16, but winning three games in a row is good. And now, you know, by the way, five straight games this week, 940 or later. So yeah. I know a lot of people are not going to watch a lot of baseball. I understand that. People have jobs, and uh, I need to sleep more myself, but I'll be up and <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll spend some time. This with, is when I appreciate the schedule. Yeah, it's great for you. Start no at like six thirty or seven for me, versus starting at you know four ten, whatever. All these more in the you know game starts at ten a.m. this morning out here. So <laughs> it's, it's the nice eternal issue. Uh, normal normal start time. Yeah, yeah. I'm having the same problem right now with uh, NBA playoff games that are uh, that I have to watch for like my job, and they tip at like ten forty. Like the the game, the four overtime game that other night that ended at I think it was like two twenty six a.m. Eastern time, a basketball game. Ooh, like that's absolutely yeah. insane. Um, but you know it's just the life we lead. So here we are. A bunch of uh, at least my prediction would be at least one of these three games in Los Angeles will end after one thirty a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, maybe that, more than one. It's a late night, and and. I mean, now who knows? Maybe the Braves will surprise us and win a couple games out west. I mean, even and they could. I mean, there's no reason even they over these seven games. They're good. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if they could go four and three, I think people would be ecstatic. Oh, even that would be. I mean, honestly, I was going to say, you know, it's. I would sign up for three and four, which I know is kind of pessimistic. But if you told me right now you can take three and four, I would think I would probably take it. Yeah, one in L.A. and then or how, however it comes. I mean, however it comes. I mean, obviously you wouldn't want to get swept in your series if you can help it, just for morale reasons. But I think you know, if right now you told me you can, right now take or leave it three and four on the seven game road trip for a week against two quality opponents, I think you just say yes and come back and come back home at three after three and four. Especially but, on the West Coast too. That's I what mean, I mean. It's yeah. just so tough it's traveling tough. all that way. Yeah. So it's and, and no days off too. It's not like they're yeah, gonna you, get a breather. You get, you get a you get a Monday off day on the way back from Arizona to before they play St. Louis. We'll talk more about that next week, obviously. But um, yeah, buckle in. Should be a very interesting week. Uh, Scott, we've probably done enough on the pod today. Anything that you would like to share that we have not already talked about? And if not, please tell people where they can find your work as always. Well, if you don't stay up till 1 30 or 2 for these games i i'm in i'm on recap duty monday through friday so you uh whenever you wake I think up I, I think i have one i think i have thursday i think i think i think he gave me one of these just because Did he? You know, okay. i'm a freak yeah i don't know i haven't looked i, I think i looked <laughs> briefly and i have one but uh who knows yeah you don't sleep sleep's overrated um but yeah so it's you know it's should be fun team seems to be playing a little bit better and, and have stabilized over that first 
Uh, at least that like Philadelphia series was like as bad as you could have. So it's it's been uh, it's been fun to watch and and all that good stuff. So as always, follow uh, Scott Coleman fifty five and Talking Chop. And is it what BT Roland? Yes, BT Roland. At yeah. BT Roland. Well done. That's thank you. I, yes. I, I, people don't want to follow me usually, but if you do, go ahead and hop on. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of basketball right now, so my apologies. But I, I try to weave some Braves in there every once in a while. Just to keep things only lying. another only another what twenty eight weeks of the NBA playoffs. Uh, seems done. like uh, probably the under on that. But listen, I mean, it, <laughs> it never really stops until I don't know late July for me. Yeah, because you just go straight into the draft and free agency, and then summer league. So uh, it never ends. But there'll be baseball stuff, I promise. And uh, I'll sleep in August at some point. So sleep's good. It, Every well, day. Yeah, it's, it's overrated, frankly. But uh, yeah, here we are. Well, thank you, Scott, for joining me. And uh, I'm glad my internet, um, well, through my phone and tethering, uh, if, only, if only everybody could see the, uh, the back-end preparation that has to happen because hotel Wi-Fi is so brutal that I probably racked up like a $100 streaming tethering bill right now. But here we are. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll do this one more time. Uh, next week I'll hopefully be home, which will be really nice for me, when we gather again after the game in Arizona on Sunday, which I think you'll be at, you said? Um, uh, yeah. Sunday yeah, I'll be there Saturday, Sunday. So, yeah, Scott will be there, and we'll uh, – if, we're not, if we don't talk next week, then we'll get the first-hand account of what you saw the following week when we talk again. But thank you again, my friend, and we'll talk very, very soon.